a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I'm your guest host, Lee Lonsberry. Uh, and I'm going to steal this last stretch of time for myself. I just want to talk to you. I want to thank you. I want to ask for uh, for some advice um, uh, as I wrap up these three days that KSL has asked me to, to fill in. I want to tell you first that it's been a dream of mine to do exactly this. I have lived a life exposed to talk radio. I told a story earlier in the week where I was in second grade. It was 1992. Uh, I lived in a, a small town. Uh, in a small house, and my bedroom was at the top of the stairs. And I once, one evening, uh, was crouching there, hiding, and I looked down the stairs to see my dad standing in the dining room uh, facing a mirror in the dining room. And he was uh, he was talking to himself. And that's a funny thing to imagine, and it was a funny thing to see, until I realized, uh, after I listened to some of the things he was saying, he was practicing. He was saying call letters, and uh, he was doing intros and outros, and uh, it would later come to my knowledge that he was practicing for uh, a radio talk show. And uh, he, the next day, uh, went to work and he uh, he auditioned and he got himself a, a job in talk radio. That was 27 years ago. And, and all the food that I ate and all the clothes that I wear and the roof that was over my head as I grew up came because of his work in talk radio. He'd bring me to work, and I got to know the folks there. I got to know what it was like to be at a microphone and watch a clock and plan out segments and and act uh, very quickly when breaking news happens. Uh, years later, I would go to college uh, at Brigham Young University and uh, needed to pay the bills, and so I got a job at one of the local radio stations here in town in Salt Lake City, and, uh, and my dad and I got to work together for a long time. And that was the case for about four years, and then uh, it was time for me to move on, and I called over here to KSL. KSL News Radio. I said uh, to the program director, I said, Sir, I have a skill set. I don't want it to go stale. I'm hungry to stay in this game, and I, I'd like uh, to go to work for you. And uh, he said, I think we've got something on Saturday mornings. You want to give that a shot? And so I, uh, I said, Absolutely, 100%. Yes, I'll give that a shot. And so I was here every Saturday morning. I was producing for the, the gardening show, and I was producing uh, for, for this show and that show, pushing buttons. I remember working with, uh, with the newscasters and asking them, how'd you, how'd you get to be a, a newscaster? How, how was it that you got to uh, tell the world and tell this uh, city and this state what's going on? Uh, that was something I envied, something I wanted to do. And so I joined a softball team. Uh, at the time, uh, Cheryl Worsley was the news director, and she was the coach of the softball team. And I thought, you know, if I join the softball team, that might make, get me a little bit of face time uh, with the shot callers around here at KSL. And so I did just that, and I uh, I was tight on funds. I didn't have too much money, uh, but I went to play it against sports. I picked up uh, a secondhand baseball bat uh, and a glove, and I went to one of those batting cages, and I practiced and practiced and practiced, got blisters on my hands, uh, but I was ready to, to not make a fool of myself at, uh, at, so, at the softball game uh, with the rest of the folks here at KSL. 
and I uh, I tried to be impressive. I tried to speak well and uh, and be uh, a nice, agreeable young softball player. And uh, I don't know if that's what, what it was or not, but it was not long after those softball games that I did get a chance uh, uh, to try out and do some some news work here at KSL. I worked overnights. Uh, you know Don Brinkerhoff. You hear him early in the mornings. And if I could ask, uh, selfishly, if you could uh, share a little prayer uh, for, for his family right now. They're going through a trying time. His son was involved in an accident. You've heard about that here on the station. And uh, and my thoughts and prayers are certainly with him and his family. Uh, anyway, the reason I bring, up, uh, bring him up, Don Brinkerhoff, is that he uh, worked the overnight shift. And uh, and I got to train with him. We spent a lot of overnights here together. He would teach me how to prepare news for the morning, and it was an absolute thrill. I would read the stories that came from ABC. I would listen to these expert reporters as they delivered uh, their newscasts from around the world, uh, reporting on uh, wars and tragedies and successes and uh, and maybe some natural disasters. And I thought, man, oh, man, what it would be like to do exactly what they're doing and to do exactly the work here that Don Brinkerhoff is doing, preparing the morning uh, to hear the news of the world. And I, uh, over time, was able to do that. Uh, Don took a two-week vacation. I filled in for him. And the great Becky Bruce, who was producing mornings, she said, you know, he's all right. Uh, uh, and she gave me more and more responsibilities. And in, in short order, I uh, was able to do a little bit of ladder climbing uh, to the point where uh, I was introduced to Doug Wright. And that began uh, a, a wonderful stretch of time in my little career. Uh, for about four years, uh, Doug Wright and I worked together every day here in this building. Uh, Doug would stand right behind this microphone and he would uh, he would give voice to the news being made in Utah. Uh, my attitude is that uh, Utah has a lot more to say. And, uh, and that she'll continue to say it uh, here on this radio program. When I was with Doug, I was in the presence of an absolute master, someone who the state and the city and the community trusted to share uh, the highlights and the lowlights, and, and he was able to handle all of that uh, expertly. I, I couldn't have been more grateful for the time I spent with, with Doug Wright. Uh, he and I traveled the country. In fact, uh, I, I mentioned earlier as I was talking about that, that little Facebook feature, the remember when, the go back and look at your memories section. Uh, I These days, I click, and it's uh, about this time, uh, seven years ago, that uh, Doug Wright and I were traveling around the country chasing uh, Mitt Romney and John Huntsman and, uh, and Newt Gingrich was running for president. They were all running for president, and we wanted to, to stay uh, up front on all the stories, and so we we went to Florida for uh, the Republican National Convention. We then traveled north up to up to Charlotte and went to the Democrat Convention. We saw James Taylor perform, uh, and I saw Doug speak to the newsmakers of the world. I was privileged to be his producer, and I learned a great deal uh, from him in those days. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Something I'll look back on uh, with great uh, with great uh, humility for the rest of my career. Uh, and then I did a, I did a short term as a reporter here after my time with Doug. And then I got a call uh, from Washington, D.C., from uh, uh, one of Utah's members of Congress, Rob Bishop. He represents northern Utah. And he said, hey, uh, what do you think about uh, a D.C. chapter in the Lee Lonsberry story? And I, uh, I, I spoke with my wife. I asked her, well, what do you think about moving to Washington, D.C.? And, uh, and she said, well, I did some growing up there. Uh, I wouldn't mind moving back. Let me take a quick pause in this story and go back a little bit and tell you a story about my wife. Uh, because it was right here in this newsroom that she and I met. 
Uh, KSL has given me a lot, including a wife. And in just a few weeks, uh, I'll have a, a child of mine. I'll be a parent. And all that started here in KSL. I have a great fondness for this station. I have a great fondness uh, for all it's given me. Anyway, uh, D- Doug and I, <clears throat> we did all that work together. Then I get a call from uh, from the congressman to go out and see uh, what it's like to work in Washington, D.C. And for the past number of years, I've done exactly that. I have had the opportunity to to look and see uh, how the legislative process works for this great country. I, I went on a little rant earlier about how if you were to turn on the, the cable news or read the national newspapers, you would get a sense that this country is very much divided. And while in certain respects I do agree with that, and, and I can see division uh, clearly in many areas. There are areas uh, uh, where there is great unity and civility, and it's clear and present uh, here in, in this country. I talked earlier today about how you can use many of the tools available to, to research things and, and find examples of this unity. Uh, a website, congress.gov being one of them. That's an area where you're able to to trace the progress of legislation introduced by members of the House or the Senate. Uh, those will then be debated and amended and voted upon. And when they earn uh, a satisfactory number of votes, they get moved over to the president's desk. And if you were to believe or, or if you were to presume the case from looking at all of the cable news headlines and the and the banners across the, the national newspapers, you might think that this division is rampant. But I'm going to tell you that there is a lot of work being done uh, in the legislative body of our government. There are a good number of laws that get passed. And when I brought this up earlier, a wise texter pointed out, you know, you really can't measure the progress of a legislature based on the number of laws that they pass. Well, some of those laws are not simply to put new regulation in place, but uh, it does require an act of Congress and the signature of the president to remove laws. And so if you get into the details, you'll find that uh, it's not just uh, regulations being added, but in large part, uh, the government's getting out of our lives. And, uh, you know, depending on your political ideologies, you may or may not think that's a a good thing. I uh, will tell you personally, I do think uh, that we are well capable of running our own lives and are are probably not too needy uh, of the the federal government getting its nose in and, and telling us uh, how to live. And so the progress that I measure uh, in in the legislative government or legislative branch of government rather is uh, how they approach uh, that very question. And many uh, laws have been signed uh, over this past Congress, and I invite you to do a little bit of legwork and see that not everything uh, that you see on the on the cable news and in the headlines of the national papers is painting an accurate story of division. Uh, I tell you all that, uh, which leads us here to today. I uh, was in town working and KSL said, hey, would you mind uh, sitting in for a few days, filling in on this program of ours called Inside Sources, uh, see if you have what it takes to be a, a radio talk show host? And I've done just that, and it's been a thrill and a privilege, and I'm humbled that you'd uh, that you'd listen to me and, and put up with my ramblings uh, in this segment and over the, the course of the last three days. Thank you so much. Keep listening to this radio station. Up next, you got Jeff Kaplan, who's an expert. He's going to tell you what's going on around the world. And I, again, am grateful to you for listening to this station, KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. 
I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.